Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast, brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. If you're pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. We've made all this advice accessible. Grab your own Thrive Guide with a workbook on leadership skills at christinedelano.com. So put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. On this episode, we're talking about the power of 100 conversations. We're expanding on our last conversation on building an expertise. Don't miss that one. Repeatedly, we talked about the importance of your trusted community. But how do you cultivate this community? And most importantly, how do you leverage them in a way that has massive impact in your career? Today, I'm joined by Amritha Nandakumar. She is an ETF industry veteran experienced in corporate strategy, product management, business development, and integrated marketing. She is the president of Vident and oversees a sub-advisory business, as well as sales and marketing firm-wide. In 2013, Amritha joined Vanek as a senior ETF product manager and later transitioned to director of corporate strategy and development. Prior to joining Vanek, she spent several years at Vanguard as a senior investment consultant. She holds a BA in economics and political science from the George Washington University and an MBA from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Amritha lives in Manhattan with her husband and two children. She is a fitness enthusiast and enjoys cheering for Philadelphia sports teams. Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, so happy to have you here. So uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation, a hundred conversations. Um, so, <laughs> and for those of us sort of still, you know, reeling from sort of pandemic times and all that, just the idea of getting out and, and doing these things. So maybe some kick in the pants today on the show. I am looking forward to it. I agree. I think networking and putting ourselves out there in general is, is never the easiest thing. But somehow there's a way that it became harder and that was COVID, right? And so Absolutely. I'm actually really glad we're having this conversation today because truthfully, it's a good reminder for me too. That's great. So tell us a story. Get us into some real good reason to have 100 conversations. So it's incredible how vividly I remember this. It was December 2018. It was just a couple of weeks before the holidays. And I was at an ETF event hosted by uh, our good friend, Eric Balchunas at Bloomberg. Uh, for those of you who've attended his events before, they tend to be really interesting. Just him giving his updates, having a number of interesting panelists. And it's just a great way to catch up on ETF knowledge and current events and, and more importantly, catch up with, with all of your friends in the industry. It's usually a couple hundred people. So for those of you who've been fortunate enough to visit Bloomberg, you know that it's, aside from being an actually just an exciting company, the building itself is just such a wonderful, exciting place to be. So I remember being in the back of the room at one point and just looking around and, you know, just looking at all these people that I know and, and some that I don't and just saying, you know what, I think I'm ready to explore something new. I don't know, just something about being surrounded by all of these colleagues from a number of firms and just saying, okay, this person's a, an issuer, this person's a broker, this person's doing something in distribution. And just, it just made me say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to see what else is out there. And, and what was particularly interesting about that revelation was that I was really happy 
at Van Eck. That's where I was at the time. I was director of corporate strategy and corporate development and, you know, had a great career there. And, and, and I was still pretty happy at that point. But it was really the first time that I'd ever considered looking opportunistically for a new role. I wasn't in an active job search or anything like that. It just hit me. It just said, you know what? I think it's time to see what else is out there. And, and for some reason, that just that always stuck with me. And so what did you do from that? So you got this realization, you're in this amazing room with people that would probably take that information in lots of different ways if you were to just kind of (laughs) blurt it out and be like, hey, you know, I'm looking, right? Obviously, current employer, others that rely on you, not so thrilled maybe at at some of those thoughts. So, you know, how do you take it from there? You know, like most industries, the ETF industries we all know is so small, right? I think I think the longer we all spend in the ETF industry, we continue to be more, not less amazed uh, by how interconnected we are. So the couple things came to mind. Number one, I acknowledge how fortunate I was having spent my entire financial services career in ETFs to have such a broad network of people. Uh, But at the same time, I also realized to your point, Christine, that I I can't just tell everyone, right? we, We have to be smart about this, have to be tactical about this. So I just started thinking about everybody that I knew from beginning to end of of my time in the industry. And I I started to make a list of people that were well-placed. And by well-placed, I meant people who tend to know what's going on in the ETF industry, right? I think we we all know that there's some folks that are, you know, maybe more client-facing or just tend to interact with a lot of different firms and just people who tend to be visible and, and might be more likely to hear about opportunities that that I wouldn't necessarily be able to hear about, right? Because I think we all know that for every role that gets posted, there's probably magnitudes more that don't, right? So who do you go to that would probably know what's going on and, and know about those things that, that I don't? So I said, all right, I'm going to, who do I know that's well-placed, but could also be discreet, right? People who I know won't run off their mouth and say, oh, she's she's running for the exit. No, no, she's not doing that. Um, but could appreciate that I, I just really wanted to know what else was out there. And finally, I said, you know, who's actually going to advocate for me, right? Just be really honest about the kind of relationship I have with that person to say, you know, would they, would they actually think about me when the moment is right? Um, and so I started, I, I started making that list. So they're knowledgeable, they're connected, they're discreet, and you consider them a possible advocate. Do I have that right? Anything else that you looked at while you're, I can just actually see you with a pen and a paper, you know, kind of like <laughs> jotting down names is like, and it's funny when you do this, right? You know, you, you think of one and then you think of the other one. And then all, all of a sudden you're like circling back and being like, oh my gosh, I almost forgot Sally. So um, that's exactly it. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. And it's kind of nice because it's almost take a trip down memory lane to say, oh, so-and-so who I worked with back way back when and this person who, oh, you know, I haven't talked to them in a while, so it'd be a good chance for me to connect with them anyway. So I think the other thing is to really uh, consider as as cross uh, as wide of a cross-section as possible, and that, that kind of may have been obvious uh, in the way I described, you know, how I, how I thought about my, my list of folks to talk to, but just folks who were scattered around the industry, right? So I didn't want to just speak to 
folks at brokerage firms. I didn't want to just speak to people at issuers. I kind of wanted to speak to as many different people as possible. So I thought about folks who were at the exchanges. I thought about folks who were at maybe fund administrators, issuers, of course, and maybe people who were uh, more on the consultant side, just to get as, as much of a cross-section as possible. So I'm imagining you actually picking up the phone to, to call some folks or you know texting or emailing in advance to say, hey, can we set up some time? Would they be surprised by this or is this something that you're already doing? Are you already making sure that you're keeping up with people and doing a network or is this going to shock people that that you're reaching out to them? So it's so interesting you say that because that is one of the things that I learned after the first time I went through this exercise is that while realizing that you're ready to explore your next opportunity or, or find the, the next big thing for you, this is obviously an exercise you'll want to consider doing. The truth is it is something that we should be doing all the time. So over time, I have gotten better about just doing this on a continuous basis because number one, it's just a great way to, to keep up with people that you like and keep up with people that are that are meaningful to you and important to you and, and are your advocates, right? But to your point, Christine, when you do finally reach out to them and say, hey, I'm ready, they'll know what you're talking about because you've already talked to them about it at least once or twice before. So, you know, instead of saying, okay, this might come out of left field, but it turns out I'm ready to look for my next job. You're saying to them, hey, remember we grabbed coffee a few months ago and I just started casually talking to you about, you know, what I might want to do next. Well, I think I'm ready to actually make that a reality. I think I'm ready to actually start talking to people. Uh, so to your point, Christine, definitely, if this is something you're doing all the time, the folks that that know you and the folks that are ready to advocate for you, they'll say, okay, you're ready to do this? All right. How can I help? Right. So I was out of the country recently and um, without actually Wi-Fi communication or anything for over a week. And so obviously coming back to all that, it was like, whoosh, you know, <laughs> lots of messages, lots of things. And one of them was a woman I greatly admire. She's actually been on the show, but I'm not going to call her out because she actually sent me a message and is like, I really need to talk to you, you know, like... I'm thinking and my head's twirling and, you know, like we just need to get on the phone together. And so I felt bad because it had been like three days and it looked like I totally ignored her. Um, but anyway, we got on the phone and she had already talked her way down or probably had folks that had done that for her and probably wasn't as anxious to move on from the role, kind of had a bad day. And she's in an amazing role. And she, you know, sometimes grass can look greener a little bit when you're, you know, sitting in your one little patch of weeds on the lawn. Um, but we ended up having this great conversation. And, you know, it's not the only conversation that we've had. So, you know, it's an easy one to have. And I know quite a bit about kind of what she does and how she's respected and what she's building and all of those things. So, you know, out of the blue, that would have been a hard conversation, right? Because I would have been like, oh, no, what's happened? And yes, you need to move on. And, you know, let me tell you what I've been hearing and, and all of that. But it wasn't that kind of conversation at all because, you know, I got to remind her of the things that she loves and not that she shouldn't move at some point. And, and in fact, I don't really have an opinion either way. It's more that I can reflect back to what I really do know about her. And we had this, you know, sort of marvelous conversation and she gets to make all the decisions and all of that. But it wouldn't have worked if that was the first time that her and I had really ever had a, you know, a conversation about what she does or what she loves or how she sort of fits in where she is in her kind of work life time. So, yeah, so kind of a good reminder for me, too, as I think about this as to 
assuring that we're going to have times where we're going to have concerted effort to have these conversations, but we're always going to be in this place of wanting to, to assure that we're sort of pressing on our network. I think that's such a great point, Christine, because the truth is, if we're not talking to people in our network, if we're not letting people know where our heads are at, where our hearts are at, and we're not asking questions, then we can't really be sure that we know what's out there, right? There could be some interesting role out there that you didn't even know existed, that that, that was even a thing, right? And when you're frantically looking for your next job because you're so miserable where you are, that might not be the time where you learn about it, right? You right. might just be so desperate, you're just going to frantically drop your resume as many times as you can on LinkedIn. And that's a strategy. It's, I think, a, for those of us who've tried that before, we know that it's not necessarily the most effective one either. But just being proactive about letting your network know where you're at, whether you're just blissfully happy and you couldn't imagine going anywhere else, or you're saying, you know what, I, I am, I'm feeling good and I'm optimistic about the next X number of months, but you know, I'm always ready to have a, an interesting conversation because if nothing else, I want to know what's out there, then not only are you constantly educating yourself, but your network you know, to your point, Christine, they, they know where your head is at. And so when the right time comes, they can just jump right in and, and, you know, be that, be that advocate for you. Right. And the conversation may turn and it may be that that person's actually looking as well. So, you know, it's just such a, such a good opportunity to sort of play it both ways. So I'm kind of coming back to our 2018, you know, we're at the Bloomberg um, <laughs> headquarters, we're having this great evening, we've come to this realization. Um, and thankfully, you're not like, you know, the next day going in and being like two weeks notice, worst thing <laughs> ever. I, in my mentoring, people are unhappy. They're like, yeah, I think I'm just gonna quit. So then I can really focus on I'm like, no, no, never leave the job, right? You know, so like, always have the thing lined up, always, always be in demand. So you're in that room, you're just starting to think about it. You're not super unhappy, right? You're just basically saying, I think there's something more. So you've made your list and now you've set out to actually do 100 conversations. Like, tell me what that actually looks like. I, I appreciate you putting it that way. I want to say that the first time I did it, that's how I approached it. Uh, but the truth is, I at that point, I didn't know how many conversations it was going to take. And that's why this was so transformative for me, because I, I knew I was going to have to speak to a lot of people. I didn't know that it could take 100 conversations, but that's what it took. So I guess I start there to say that, you know, for, for you, it might not be 100 conversations. Maybe it's 10 or 20 or 25. But I just like calling it 100 conversations because I just want you to be prepared that you may have to talk to a lot of people. The way, the way that I, I say it is, you have to talk to a hundred people for one person to remember you at the right time, at that right moment in time when they hear about the opportunity that you've been looking for, right? So just, just be prepared. So for me, it really was just a matter of, of going through that list and reaching out to people. And I find that that conversation, if possible, is better had in person. I think it's just it, it, it's better had in person. It's better had in a you know in a neutral place, maybe a cup of coffee, or something like that. Certainly not um, at your place of work, of course. But I think this is where, for some folks in your network, this might be the first time where you're truly going from just talking about work to talking about something that's not work, right? And so you're you're turning. You might be turning to somebody 
who you've never really asked for help before on a personal level, right? So where that's the case, being in a, in a, a more a more relaxed, a more neutral environment can help. If this is somebody that's a good friend or somebody that, you know, you've had these types of conversations with before, maybe you've been on the other side and you've helped them, then that's that's very different. But if this is somebody that you might be talking to about, you know, something personal for the first time, um, then I would suggest that, that you really try to have this conversation in person. So that's number one. So I'm, I'm picturing you across the table with a cup of coffee and you're, you know, you got the chit chat a little bit just to like, oh, you know, about the day, weather, weather, whatever. So do you start right away with, hey, I'm looking? How, how do you approach that where the person sort of understands kind of what you're going after? Or do you never really express it and, you know, sort of work around it? No, I would say you start with reminding them what you do. And again, this might be totally unnecessary if this is somebody that you're working with on a regular basis. But, you know, I might start off by saying, well, as you know, I've been at XYZ company for you know two years now, four years now, six years now, whatever the right amount of time is. And in that time, um, this is what I've been doing. Here's what I've really enjoyed. Here's what I've enjoyed a little less. And now I'm just, I'm just starting to think about what my next opportunity could look like. Right. And I think it's important for you to explain where you are. And this requires you to have a very honest conversation with yourself. We say you're exploring your next opportunity. That can mean a number of things, right? For some folks, you are literally running for the exit door. And so if that's the case, say that. Say, listen, I'm just really not in a good place. I think I waited too long. I allowed myself to reach a place where I'm really unhappy. And so I need a change. I need your help. That's that's one conversation. That's beautiful. That I mean, just the vulnerability, just, you know, being able to sort of say that and basically saying, you know, like my fire is not your catastrophe, but just want to let you know it's getting warm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you know, it, you know, I think I think I just really like the way that that you put that. Um for folks that maybe have a hard time being vulnerable with people they admire. And um, so, so that's great. So that would be in the case where you're looking to, to run for the exits. What about in your case where you're like, I just think there's something maybe more for me. Yeah, exactly. One thing I want to go back to though, with the vulnerability piece, which I think is such a, a good point to make is that it can be scary to put that out there. It can be scary to say it out loud to somebody, but just remember we've all been there, right? I think it's a very rare person who's ever been in a job situation where they said, I have to get out of here, right? So we've all been there. So admitting to yourself and admitting to others out loud that, listen, this is not working for me. You'll be so pleasantly surprised at the empathy you will get because everybody's been there. So don't be afraid to tell people if you're that unhappy because they will just, it's just human nature. They will want to help you. Great reminder. That's so good. In my case, uh, it was, it was really the opposite. It was saying to myself, well, okay, so I, I am happy and I'm you know, continuing to do some interesting work. And I really, really like the people I work with. I mean, that was something that is really a big reason why I stayed at Vanek for eight years is the people are so great. And I actually really liked going to work and I really liked seeing the people and working with the people that I did. So I was, I was fortunate, but I did 
need to have some honest conversations myself to say, okay, you've been here, you know, X number of years, you've been doing this for so long. You know, you could always do this longer and continue to get more experience, but at some point you're probably going to say, you know, this is starting to feel a little stale or, hey, I've done this now a bunch of times and I'm really ready to do something new. What do I think that timeline is going to look like? And in other words, are you going to be okay in your seat six months from now? Are you going to be okay 12 months from now? You know, just be really honest with yourself because what you don't want is to be in that first situation, right? And we've all been there. So I'm, I'm certainly not blaming anyone who finds himself in that situation. But if you, if you start having these conversations with yourself when you're happy in a role and you say to yourself, I'm, I'm happy today and I'll be happy in 12 months, but I want to be doing something else in 24 months. That is okay to start telling people. It is absolutely okay. It is never too early to say to somebody, today is May 19th, 2023, and by May 19th, 2025, I want to be doing something else. That is okay. So be honest with yourself of what that's going to look like and know that that answer might change in six months, which is why every six months you should ask yourself this question, will I be okay in this seat in six months? I really like that because it's like in two years I want to be doing something else. And then you can kind of bifurcate that as well and say the something else could be simply I'm not sure what that is and I'm excited about the journey or I already kind of know what I want to do, but it's going to take me a couple of years to like move through the role I'm in because I'm happy with it and gain the knowledge, the experience, the connections and all that to move into that. So what do you say to folks? Do you encourage them to be transparent if they have an idea of what that type of role that they're looking at already is two years prior? Absolutely. In fact, you, you must. It's crucial. So for me personally, when I, when I started asking myself in December 2018, you know, what is it that I wanted to do next? And I was fortunate to have the holidays to think about it. So I came back in January 2019. And, and for me, it was really simple. I said, I want to run an ETF business. This is what I want to do. Everything that I've done in my career, all of my education, everything that I've learned at these great firms at Vanguard and Vanek have led me to wanting to run an ETF business. And I knew that the experience I was getting at Vanek was incredible. And that even if I were there for another 6, 12, 24 months, it would just make me an even stronger candidate. But I also knew that getting that type of role was going to take time. I didn't know how long. I, I eventually learned it was almost almost 24 months. It was actually about 22 months when I started my current role at Biden. But I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I told everybody those 100 conversations, that's exactly what I told them. I was very specific. For me, I personally was not in a place where I wanted to cast a wide net. I could certainly, you know, at that time, I could have thought about roles and, you know, maybe more senior product roles or maybe a distribution role or something, you know, marketing. And, and, and you know, I, I had the skill sets where I would have been a very credible candidate. But I said, no, I'm, I'm actually in a really good place. If I'm going to leave, it's because I'm running an ETF business and I don't care how long it takes. And so that's what that's what I would say is be specific when you're talking to your 100 people. Ask yourself how wide of a net are you willing to cast? Because the more specific you are about what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do, you're not going to waste your time, but you're also not going to waste other people's time because they're sending you roles that are that are not relevant for you or not interesting to you. 
Good point, because you're you're taking their time, right? And you're taking their expertise, and they're having conversations about you. So, I, I love that call to be specific. What about specific firms or geography, things like that? Are are you also specific there as well? I would, I would. And so, one one exercise that you might want to consider doing if you're not sure. So, for me, I personally was, I knew. I want to run an ETF business. Just one sentence. That's what I told everybody. I got tired of hearing myself say it. Uh, but for some folks, you might not be sure what that is. So one exercise that that I've thought of is writing your own job description. If you could write your own job description for your next role, like what would you love to be doing? And And literally write that job description because based on that, you'll be able to map out what it is you want to do. And maybe if you're still not sure, you can share that with the people in your network, the people that are part of your 100 conversations and say, here's what I'd love to do. What do you, what do you think that translates to based on, on the roles that you're familiar with or the roles that you've come across? And so don't be afraid to, to ask for help. And so as part of that, certainly consider, you know, are there specific firms that you might be interested in? So this is an older story. This was back before I even, this is how I got actually, this is how I got my first job at Van Eck. So I was at Vanguard. I was living um, outside of Philadelphia and I was interested in moving to New York, both for professional and, and personal reasons. And so uh, I knew that Wisdom Tree was based in New York, but I'd never met anybody there. And so I went to LinkedIn and I saw that there was a woman in ETF product management at, at Wisdom Tree, and she was connected with a friend of mine from business school. And so I asked this friend to introduce us. And that was that was a little, it was really the kind of the first time that I'd really asked somebody to reach out to a, a second degree connection. And it, it ended up being really fortuitous because as it turns out, this individual at Wisdom Tree was actually looking for a new role in the ETF industry as well, had never met anybody at Vanguard. And so when I reached out to her, she was really excited and said, I would love to meet you. I've never met anyone at Vanguard. And so um, my husband was living in New York at the time. And so I was I was in the city all the time visiting him. And so she and I would meet up for coffee quite often and just trade notes on job hunting. Well, as it turns out, she was friends with somebody at Van Eck. And again, Van Eck, I, I knew they were a fantastic firm. I knew them as a, as a successful issuer, but I also didn't know anyone there. So it turns out someone at Van Eck reached out to this woman at Wisdom Tree to let her know, hey, there's an opening here for a product manager role. Would you be interested? And she said, no, I'm not interested, but I know somebody at Vanguard who might be. And she passed that on to me. And that's actually how I ended up getting my job at Van Eck. And so it's just so incredible that I would have not known about this role if I had not taken a chance and put myself out there and be vulnerable and not be afraid to to get rejected to meet up by this person that I got this amazing job at Van Eck. And so I, I think definitely doing firm targeting, if, if you know people at that firm, then that's obviously a, a no brainer because they'll, they'll know what, what roles are open at that firm. But if you don't, that's the power of the network, the power of that second degree connection, LinkedIn. Don't be afraid to use it. You'll be, you'll be really surprised at, at how much people are, are eager to meet you. Absolutely. And, and so what happened to your friend at, at Wisdom Tree? Did she end up landing somewhere fabulous too? Actually, um, it's funny. So our mutual friend was at Schwab. And so this woman actually ended up um, joining my other friend at Schwab and, and was very, very happy there. She she was in New York 
looking to relocate to the West Coast. And so she ended up taking a job at Schwab in the Bay Area. So, you know, it was a happy ending for all. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's so good to hear. So so we've been having these hundred conversations or maybe not that many, but I love that you've set this sort of like big goal, right? Because it maybe can feel a little dispiriting if it's like, have 10 conversations to find your next job. And then you go through all 10, you know, connections and you're sitting there like nothing has happened. Right. So the idea that, you know, it could take as many as a hundred and you're not going to be wasting your time by connecting, learning, you know, encouraging others, you know, maybe even like in your case, finding that others are, are looking as well. How are you doing follow-up? So we've, we've left the coffee shop. We've had this great conversation are you following up right away? What, what are you doing? In my experience, I would say about every three months or so. Um, it doesn't have to be, it's not a, it's definitely not a science, but I would say at least, at least three times a year is probably the right number. Of course, if you run into people more often, then it's a, it's a lot easier to, to, you know, stay top of mind. And because that's the thing, right? We're all so busy. And even though the people in your network will want to help you, people forget, right? We're all very busy. And so it's important to stay top of mind so that when they do hear about that opportunity, they said, oh gosh, that's right. She did reach out to me. Huh? It sounds exactly like what she was telling me about. So I would say probably every three to four months is is the right number. And it doesn't always have to be that coffee sit down. It could just be a quick text message or you run into them at an industry event or you me- you message them on LinkedIn. And um, one, one approach to try, and it, it might sound a little self-serving, but I, I, I think people don't mind, is just to let people know where you are in your search. Just say, hey, um, I really appreciated our conversation from a few months ago. You gave me some great advice. Just wanted to let you know that I've continued networking and, you know, I interviewed at so, you know, such and such firm and that didn't really go well, but uh, it was just good to, you know, brush up on my interviewing skills mm-hmm. and just say, I'm, I continue to look, um, love it. If you can, you know, continue to keep me in mind, let me know how I can be helpful to you. Like I said, it could even be as easy as a text message, but just, you have to stay as you're as you're meeting new people, as you're continuing your hundred conversations, definitely keep those other leads or those other other connections warm, and just it, it, just a quick reminder that hey, I'm I'm still looking, I'm still looking. Right, and as as being on the other side of many of these hundred conversations, I get curious too. Like, please, please update me. Let me know. Let me know how it's going and what you found while you're out there. So I I think that that follow up is you know not just to keep you top of mind, like you said, but also, you know, to sort of serve the other person that's been kind enough to take the time and and doing all that as well. So uh, it's such a, yeah, such a good reminder. And I think so many of us really love to know where, you know, where people are and, and what they're finding and what some of these firms are like. So, I I mean, I can't believe how much time has passed. (laughs) I often say this, but um, I've so enjoyed kind of digging into not only cultivating this network, but sort of leveraging the network with these conversations. There's a lot here. We're going to be putting some some breakdown of of what you've said about how to structure um, these lists into the show notes. But we've made it to our kind of last conversation, which is always about um, a book or a novel, something that you might recommend to our listeners and to also fill out our virtual bookshelf that we're building on the podcast. So I've actually been going through a French Revolution kick recently, Ooh. and I wish I could remember 
no, I take it back. I do remember. So I had gone home. I'd gone to my parents' house and uh, in the den, they one shelf has a number of books that I read in high school. And so over the last few years, I've just been grabbing one when I go to visit, just sort of, you know, reading books that I'd read. I won't say how many years ago, but it's been a number of years. And so I grabbed A Tale of Two Cities, uh, which is funny because I don't remember. I hadn't, I didn't remember particularly enjoying it when I read it in high school, but then I read it again and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And so I went back home, uh, uh, you know, some time later, and then I grabbed uh, the Scarlet Pimpernel, which also happens to take place and be, you know, the heavy theme is the French Revolution. And I, I just found myself really enjoying both. I just couldn't put them down. And so I said, you know what, I owe it to myself to better understand the actual history behind that exciting, maybe not exciting, that's not the right word, but just that behind that momentous time in history. And so I ended up getting a book called The French Revolution by Ian Davidson. I'm finding it very engaging because it does not read like a history textbook, but it's, it's really more like a narrative. It's, it's, he really writes in a style where you can almost pretend like you're in the room when all of these things are happening, obviously, I'm glad I'm not there at that time, but you, re you really can close your eyes and, and put yourself at that time. And, and so, and it, it is, it's very much a nonfiction book, he utilizes hundreds of primary and secondary sources. So, you know, for those French history scholars out there, I'm, I'm sure you can find something to nitpick with it. But as somebody who just had a, you know, a casual interest, I am, I'm really enjoying it. Um, my husband has been rather puzzled by my interest in such a violent time in history. Uh, <laughs> my husband is often puzzled by my interest in like, so if you sink the screwdriver really far into somebody, like how much before that? Because <laughs> like, I'm writing these suspense novels and I'm like, I don't know if I should Google that. I think maybe I need to talk to somebody before I put all this on my computer. So oh, I totally so get this like perplexed <laughs> looks from my husband. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop saying this out loud. <laughs> He's like, that's not, it's not exactly light bedtime reading, is it? Right. Like, I would it doesn't mean it's not interesting, but no, definitely not light, especially when they get to the guillotine. Um, yes. But truth, truth, truthfully, I just find it so fascinating to understand the circumstances that created an environment for such things to occur, right? Because the truth is this yes. this actually happened in history. Right. And just, just understanding what it took to get there, I, I find really fascinating. So that's that's my pick for the virtual bookshelf. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks for your time today. I've loved this conversation and appreciate your expertise and, and giving of your um, of just how you've thought about so many conversations and, and what it's done for your career and being able to share it with our listeners. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I really hope that this is helpful. And um, if anybody, you know, feel free to reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. If you have questions, I'm, I'm always happy to help. I'm always happy to help somebody find their their next great role. Oh, such a great offer. Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you let it be transformational in how you think about your career. I'm rooting for you. To find out more about diversity, opportunity, and events in the exchange-traded fund industry, please visit womeninetfs.com. And while it lasts, be sure to grab your Thrive Guide on becoming the leader you want to be. You can download it at with a K, christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to We Talk Careers podcast, please make sure you do so. And if there's a topic you'd like us to tackle, 
let us know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.